Hi there, guys. Welcome to this episode of CampCast. Um, I'm speaking today with, uh, well, her name is Susanna, but I call her Susan. Uh, so I'm just going to go and grab my morning coffee. It is super early here. Um, Susan has a, a really passionate and wide spectrum of interests, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to get her on the show. Uh, even without leaving the letter P, I can remember that we spoke about planets, protests, Pasternak, parsnips, plutonium, and uh, everything else in between. So um, it was really great to speak to her, and uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, super, super. So we'll just do a quick sound check, make sure everything's okay, and then we'll just start start rolling. Okay. Um, cool. I think my cat wants to go out. No, he's all right. Um, so um, is my sound okay? Yours is fine. You can hear me. You can see me. Yeah, perfectly. Okay, super duper. <laughs> I love your t-shirt. Oh, thanks. That was um, it was a present from um. From a friend of mine, uh, from a class of mine, actually. Um, so yeah, it was really nice. Something to remember Siberia by, <laughs> apart from all of the memories of the cold and the snow and all of that. Um, so I mean, we might. I think we've already started. So let's just keep. Uh, let's just okay. keep going. Um, <laughs> so um, Susan, is it yeah. or Susanna? How do you prefer? Uh, it's any. I mean, in Russian, it's Susanna. So and then yeah, in English, they normally say Susan. Well, in our, um, I can call you Susie. Yeah, that <laughs> so, also works fine. <laughs> kind of corny. No, I don't like that. I'm going to call you Susan. Why not? I'm, I'm in a particularly yeah. English mood yeah. today. So, Susan, oh. uh, oh, thanks yeah. very much for, for coming on the show. Um, congratulations, by the way, on... Uh, I, I see you hit 6,000 followers yesterday. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. Thanks. I was, like, thrilled when I saw it yesterday. Because, you know, when you start these things, I was like, okay, if I have, like, 500... Uh, that would be great. And I was like, okay, if it's 1,000, that would be exciting. And I was like, I don't know where these people come from, but... Yeah, I know. And it's, you're, you're always playing catch-up with someone else because you're never going to be the most popular because like, I was really happy. So at the time we were recording this, um, I've got about, I've nearly got 700 followers. I think by the time this goes out, I'll be close to a thousand. That's my real yeah. first milestone. And, I mean, you actually have doubled already. I mean, last time we talked, it was about 350, as far as I remember, I checked. And now it's about 700. Yeah, so yeah. it's cool. Yeah. I do use cool. targeting, of course, but not much. And so I can't say it's purely clean and not paid. Yeah, I do pay like 100 rubles a day. Oh yeah, uh, of course, you, you sometimes, do that. Sometimes I'll switch it on, switch it off, just, just for fun, because I'm kind of learning, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's impossible to catch up with anyone. I mean, there are people out there with thousands, tens of thousands, like 20, thousands. Yeah. I, it doesn't matter really. And um, if you're looking at something like quite specific, like preparation for specific exams, I think, you know, tens of thousands is the best you're gonna do. Um, then th there are certain people, I, I don't want to name any people by names because I know some of these people, but um, there's certain YouTubers, um, people who are, 
um, you know, sort of English folks or fo foreign folks, let's say, like like me, who uh, speak Russian and do like a, a YouTube channel in Russian. Uh, as I say, I'm not going to name any names because I do know some of these people, but um, they don't always speak very good Russian. <laughs> That's the secret. Yeah. Uh, sometimes. Good as yours, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to both, you know, toot my own horn or anything. Uh, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't have a, a YouTube channel like that. So, I mean, I mostly use my YouTube channel for yeah. A, publishing this podcast and B, making videos about mushrooms and Greek mythology. Um, so, yeah, all, all, all okay. sorts of nonsense yeah and actually the, the more you get it's now harder to understand how many of them actually see a post mm -hmm. uh i mean when there were 300 people i definitely knew and i mean like there was a post 300 people in my community 300 definitely like saw it and interacted and and, mm -hmm. and now it's six thousand. so obviously a third of them just missed a lot of posts and now i i start posting more I mean I think I used to have like three posts a day now it's one post a day because I know that it will just you know be gone mm. uh, so no. what's the um what are, you, what are your tips for because obviously your page is still quite young but compared yeah, to mine it's yeah. ancient so as someone who is up and coming who is uh, has got a fledgling community and, and a fledgling podcast what is your advice what, what do I need to do like to attract people oh it's basically just to get started because uh, for me it was, i was you know i was circulating like i felt this need to do something and then and i didn't know where to start and i was like what shall i start with? what should be my first post be like what and then i was just like, okay you just have to do it and i and i posted some random article just uh i think coronavirus was already in full swing yeah it was march mm. and somehow people started coming it was like okay now i can see by the feedback, by their likes, interaction, I can see which material they like more. Uh, and that's why I add more because I was actually surprised. I thought people would be taken aback with like the economist article because they're really difficult. Uh, and then I see these are the ones that are reposted mostly. And, and then I started adding more and I see people like it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I basically look at, at the comments and the, you know, the likes and, and what's interesting. And then you, you always get the statistics with YouTube, I have no idea because I have the YouTube channel, but it's it's empty. So I I basically registered everything within one brand, so to say, to make mm -hmm. sure later I will kind of like a website, a YouTube channel, a VK, a Telegram, an Instagram with the same name, so that it will be kind of mine. But yeah, I have no ah, Telegram, eh? What are you, some sort of terrorist? So yeah, you can teach well, English, I, but if that doesn't work out, you can sell drugs. So it's all you've got all the bases covered. <laughs> <laughs> very nice very nice although apparently according to uh, according to snowden telegram isn't the most the, isn't the the most secure isn't the safest I, he, he named some other one but i don't know I, i'm not a terrorist so i don't need i, I i'll just use whatsapp and let the fs i think it's somehow connected with vk i just find some bot and uh i have connected them automatically and it, it just reposts all the posts to telegram automatically i don't even check that oh nice just because some of my friends said like why why are you doing it on vk it's not popular anymore uh we like we would like to see it on telegram said okay mm, here's a mathematic repost for you yeah it's for free i can send you later on if you need yeah uh, please do. Just, please you do. just yeah kind of do some some technical stuff and then just it all works fine without you yeah i am I, I i'm not too like i'm not like a technophobe by any stretch of the imagination but i'm not like um super amazing with these uh 
with all these uh, online interwebs and and you know all this stuff the young kids are doing these days so yeah some some help would be um be appreciated yeah let, let, we'll, we'll speak after we'll speak after you can oh. give me, give me <laughs> let's get back to business <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Do you have a specific topic today or was it wasn't like oh no and, and any old stuff really right. whatever um but yeah in, in terms of um in terms of you know gaining popularity for your page i mean so one good thing about if you focus on cambridge exams there's like because there's there's a, there's a series of cambridge exam specific pages yeah um, you know we, we can all name them um and i think what well, i mean I'm, I'm not i'm you know this is not to cast aspersions on on your content which is very very good by the way and people should definitely go and check it out but um, I think that what often happens is that someone's subscribed to this Cambridge page and they think, oh, okay, here's a bunch of others. I'm going to go click, click, click. And there's like a circuit of people who subscribe to all of those pages. Uh, and again, that's not to, you know, in any way denigrate what, what you're doing. Uh, but I think that that definitely gives you a boost, doesn't it? Don't, don't you think? Yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, well, actually, these days, people very often just like because they, hopefully, they will like look at it later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So many these days, you know, I think they're spoiled for choice. We are all spoiled for choice. So it's really hard to sure. yeah, come up with something. So that's why I started basically, I thought, what what, what difference could I make? Uh, and that's why I started making all these like tasks. They are based on authentic materials. So I definitely, I, I'm heavily against it. I don't know, so, sorry, Friends Day and other communities. I hate and I would never, uh, I think it's, it's only once I did. And because it was already on the K, that's why I shared it. Like I hate sharing materials which are you know illegal like books all the you know um this kind of all yeah. the series that are out there i can help someone like when sometimes they text me in private i can help them like i give a hint how to find it but i wouldn't like my community to be just like a sort of a library or something which is illegally uploaded so that everyone could download it and i also hated the idea of uh, i mean it takes a lot of effort as well i really appreciate it with other communities like people taking up exercises from the books and posting them on VK, but I thought that wouldn't be very original. So, so that's why I thought my edge was in this case, like that, this gives me a competitive edge, so to say, I, I take something really authentic. I don't change it in any way. I don't adapt it to FCE or CE and then just make a mm -hmm. task, hopefully, which kind of fits in with the exam. Uh, and, and it's still manageable and doable, even for those who are like FCE. Yeah. Mm. So, so I hope I will keep doing that because I would really hate, and I think many communities started like that, very original. And now it's really hard to keep up so many people, so many followers, so they're just now randomly, maybe tired of it, randomly post some stuff, which is already out there, like, you know, mm -hmm. reposting some videos with no meaning. And people like to repost them. And then my question is like, do you ever watch it? <laughs> because mm -hmm. it takes time, right? So. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, th I think you're right. A lot of people use the use pages like as, as a bookmark, like, oh, that looks good. There's yeah, probably exactly. some good stuff there. I'm not going to read it now, but I'll just follow anyway. And then oh. I can, you know, when I'm in Cambridge mood, I, I can um, I can go and look at it later. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. And good for you that you don't, um, first of all, that you don't steal or plagiarize material because a lot of people do. A lot of people do. And I'm, I'm sick of it. I, I, um, I thought I would never find another group of people on the planet 
who downloaded more illegal music and illegal books and illegal everything than the English. But then I moved to Russia and I was like, wow. But Russians, do, if you try and say to a Russian, why are you downloading that illegally? It's stealing. They just simply won't understand the question. <laughs> it's like, pay for stuff. People put their time into that. People like, and it's like, oh no, these these artists, the, you know, like Kanye West has got millions of dollars. Um, you know, he doesn't need my money. I'm like, what are you talking? What about the people who recorded that and edited it and marketed it and put it on the disc and you know the guy that delivered to the shop like all of those guys uh, need money as well you're 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 stealing people's labor why don't we all just go and live in the goddamn soviet union all right <laughs> but we are lucky right in russia i mean i i, I have in my time downloaded all these but then of course i i also have them you know in a copy hard copy so it doesn't matter Oh yeah, no. If if you already own it, then of course you can download yeah. it as much as you want because you, you've already got the copyright. That's that. Yeah, of course. That's fine. well. It's silly to pretend we can't. Though I mean, in Russia, we're so happy to have all this illegal stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's um like, and of course, I'm only being half serious because I think if if you can't if you can afford it, you should pay for it. Yeah, exactly. There's you know end of discussion, end of moral analysis. You if you've got the money, don't steal stuff. However, if you're like a poor student or you don't have any money or, you know, you're a kid and your parents won't give you money and you want to get access to music and arts and, and, and educational materials, then I think there is definitely an argument that you, you should be able to access it for free. It's like how, you know, you go to a museum in Britain, um, all museums here are free. Uh, so, no, most museums here are free. There are yeah, some well, all, all the proper museums, actually. That's what I love about it. Yeah. yeah, all the good ones. I mean, not commercial, like, well, Madame Tussauds, for instance. Well, yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's, a lot of the private ones are really good, and some of the best ones are like private collections. But even so, even the, a lot of the private ones, the whole uh, mentality with museums here is that if you can't pay, you don't have to pay. Yeah. So when you go into a museum in the UK, there's normally like a, it says suggested donation ten pounds, and so there's me and my wife there. I pay twenty pounds. Um, well, but, that's lost because normally it's like one pound for a map, right? So walking. Yeah, exactly. Um, but. You know if, if you don't have the money and when i was a student i went to like you know i was at manchester i went to um you know the, the art museum there and the history museum and i didn't pay because i didn't have enough money and 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 now i'm paying it back as, as they say good for you <laughs> anyway enough of us congratulating ourselves for paying for stuff that we have to pay for um yeah i mean for me um obviously you know i i have the same kind of idea as you i try to be authentic to myself um, I think, in all honesty, if I really wanted to, I, I probably could, like, you know, make, you know, one of those, um, as, as people keep saying, you know, Indian guy on YouTube videos, um, explaining about, you know, um, all the... Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I've just lost your connection. People saying what? Um, so people, um, also saying is that the, uh, is my connection okay now? Yeah, no, that's maybe yeah, don't worry, mind. I'm not going to edit this out. This is all going to go in the podcast. Uh, I think people like the wrinkles, people like the imperfections, yeah, yeah. or at least I'm telling myself that because I'm too lazy to edit it. Um, but like all I was saying is that I think you could, like, I, I could go online now and I could make one of these, you know, crappy, um, you know, one time useless videos, like, you know, you know like yeah, all oh, English yeah. idioms, like, and they drive me crazy because it's normally idioms that no one ever says anymore um or you know a really bad explanation like you you, you could maybe explain some of the simpler tenses in 30 minutes 30 seconds for all tenses i don't think so um 30 minutes maybe for one tense but 
Um, yeah, it drive, drives me crazy. And I, you know, I, I want to, I want to share things that I'm passionate about, that I'm interested in. I, you know, I want to make videos about porridge and, and about collecting mushrooms and about Greek mythology and about, you know, moral philosophy and, and, you know, all sorts of different stuff. Because yeah. I think that's, that's the, that's the kind of thing that, that makes, um, you know, people's hearts beat faster and that, that, you know, people actually are passionate about discussing. Um, it, so I'm, I was contacted, uh, I think it was two days ago by uh, one of my subscribers who is uh, a big fan of yours. And she said, um, you need to get Susan on the podcast. Uh, you've got to speak to her because she's got um, a really wide spectrum of interest. She said, you've got a really wide spectrum of interest. <laughs> you, and you, she said, you, yeah. you can discuss anything with her from space. So let's talk about <laughs> space and socks. So you, you have... Um, quite a, like you, you know a wide variety of topics that you like discussing am I right uh well yeah I mean I don't know where where that came from maybe because of the content because uh I basically you know with experience of preparing for for Cambridge and IELTS and everything you definitely know like the the range of topics that the students have to know so I just decided to go bit by bit like every once in a while, two or three weeks, we take one topic and then I find uh, different materials to support it. Mm -hmm. And this is where it came from. And one of the first topics was probably space. Uh, the thing is, but I mean, it was, yeah, it was space just for fun and because Elon Musk has sent, has done something again uh, at the time. So <laughs> that was, it was quite, <laughs> yeah, it was quite timely. Uh, and uh, yeah, but basically I'm a fan of space myself. Um, in terms of exam, it was more about like, of course, science and technology and how should we invest into it or should we not? But yeah, I'm kind of versatile. I don't know. Uh, basically, I because I teach, uh, I mean, I teach English for sure, but I also teach at university. So I teach different specialities. So what do you call it? Like, like to different ages. I mean, like I teach the physicists. So I have this clue. I have to know the physics. Uh, I teach a joint research for nuclear research. So that's why I have like, some basic knowledge of nucleus. Can you check out my tattoo? Ooh, wow, that's a long one. <laughs> wow, it's a solar system, isn't it? It is, but do you recognize oh. where it's from? This thing here? Oh, where, no, where is it? Is it from a book? No, no, it's from Voyager. So, you oh, know, Voyager, right. Oh, wow, lovely. For, for guys who are listening who don't know, that there, there were. Um, two um, probes sent up in the 1970s, I think it was 1976, 1978. I may be wrong about that. Um, it was about the time, yeah. Voyagers 1 and 2. Voyager 2 is actually further away from Earth than Voyager 1 is at the moment, even though it was launched afterwards. Um, but and do you know, they finally, it wasn't that they finally restored the connection with, with one of the Voyagers, because there was, there was some, something in the news recently like the one which is the furthest they mm. kind of lost connection they were trying and it took them like six or seven months and they're recently like about two weeks ago or something they just finally restored the connection i can't believe it's mind-blowing i mean i can't even imagine where it is right. now and they somehow have connection yeah, yeah. and if you go if you go online and type into google where is voyager now and you can see the coordinates of where it is in the solar system and, and you can see how many miles or how many kilometers it is from the sun or from the earth and you look at the numbers it's just going like that it's like the national debt counter it's unbelievable oh going like just you know hundreds of kilometers a second it's, um... I definitely check that out i i know that you you can see where iss is like and it's something oh, yeah. spotted above your your house but mm -hmm. i didn't know about the voyager Ooh. 
So you know, an interesting thing about ISS, and I don't know, this may be an apocryphal story. Um, it, you know, it may be kind of made uppy, but I heard that when they were building, because obviously, you know, it was a joint Russian and American project. Yeah. Um, when they were building it, there was going to be two separate modules, one built by the Russians and one built by the Americans. And they oh, had right. to assemble it in space. And one had to build a female part and one had to build a male part. But neither country wanted to be the female part. So they had to completely redesign oh, it. It's Seriously? so pathetic, isn't it? No kidding. But they had to redesign it so that it was like a, like a, like um, one of these things, like a tow hitch, you know, like on a car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So no wow. one wanted to, uh, yeah, to, to get ridden in space. Um, just fair enough. Um, but yeah, for, um, basically on Voyager, there was, as you know, that there, there's a golden record attached, as in like a vinyl record, but made of gold, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And on the record, there's all sorts of um, recordings from Earth, the sound of a human voice, the sound of our music, of, you know, this and that. Um, and there's also inscribed, as well as instructions on how to play the record, there's uh, a map of our solar system so obviously these these are the planets right here sorry for people who are listening to the audio version of this right now but you know go on youtube um so you've got uh, obviously the planets here's us and here's the asteroid belt and this is um our sun so the idea is that this the sun is in the middle right here and these different lines indicate the location of different pulsars yeah, yeah, so a pulsar right. is a type of neutron star, as, as, as you know, of course, which spins on its axis and emits, uh, I think it's x-rays, is it, at a very regular um, interval, um, which means that it's, it's almost like, like a beacon, like a flash. Yeah, exactly. You can read it. Yeah, precisely. Um, now, I, I don't have this detail on, on my... Um, oh, this one is very detailed already, I must say. <laughs> but there's, there's another thing. Incredible. Um, Basically, it looks like I'll just draw like a quick um, thing. Well, so like a bunch something of like them. that, which uh, is yeah. two circles, yeah. and then there's some sort of binary code in the middle. Basically, any sort of advanced alien civilization that ever found that, they would probably, hopefully, would understand that that's two hydrogen atoms. And the way that if two hydrogen atoms bind, the shared electron that they have, it moves in between the two atoms at a very predictable speed, which is obviously how atomic clocks work, because it happens at a very predictable rate. Um, and so using that, they could extrapolate the scale of the map. So they can figure out how many kilometers. Right. Oh, wow. This nice. version of kilometers is they, they could figure out how to get to our planet which Stephen Hawking said was probably the worst idea we've ever had, because, you know, we may have invited a bunch of predators to uh, to her. Uh... Yeah, probably. I, I knew the stuff about sounds and I didn't know the, the and coordinates. I didn't know how the measures, the measurements. Well, that's nice. I, I should read that. Yeah, yeah it's a lovely one. Pretty so cool. do, you, do you think we that there is someone out there? So they, they will find? Um, so my, my thoughts on it are that they're, the most likely situation is that you know, life is, of course, you know, we think that life is special, but, you know, from the point of view of chemistry, there's nothing special about life. In fact, it may be that life and indeed consciousness is an inevitable consequence of complex carbon chemistry. If you get enough atoms together, then they start wondering why they're together. Um, having said that, it's such a, you know, on, on sort of human scales, it's such a rare event that the most likely situation is that if my screen is the universe and there's probably pockets of life all throughout the universe but they're so distant from each other that 
even if they did have the technology to travel to another pocket of life, that pocket will probably have already died by the time um, it gets there, you know, on, on a universal scale, you know, the, this is, it's just like, you know, thunderclouds flashing in the night sky. Um, yeah, so I mean, there, there's, there's also that, have you ever watched Cosmos with, um, with Neil deGrasse Tyson? The, the no, I haven't. Should check that out, probably. It's really awesome. Um, and um, see, like Space Odyssey and something else, but no, is that a series or, or is that a film? It's a documentary series. Documentary, right. Um, and um, he talks about the sort of cosmic time scale, where if you imagine that the entire history of the universe is um, a, a year calendar, then everything that we call human civilization would happen at the last second on the 31st of December at one minute to midnight. Yeah. That is how short our um, pathetic human existence has been in the whole history of the universe um, and will be very short <laughs> in, in, uh, in universal terms. Um, but anyway, let's not focus on the um, on the death of our species, shall we? <laughs> we are doing. I actually remembered it now. Once you said documentaries, my PhD is based on documentaries. That's where it comes from. That I know so so diff many different things. I have to know, yeah, because mm. the materials I'm using for my PhD is documentaries, English, basically British. Help tell me about your PhD. Uh, it's uh, well, it started with some like as usual, start with some very huge like topic, and then you see you can't brace it, so you just have to specify it. But basically, yeah, the material was documentaries and it's, it's linguistics, Germanic languages. So basically, the essence was that I had to analyze how the documentaries are made to you know to keep the, the target audience and like all the verbal and non-verbal things, all the means of, of keeping them interested. And uh, basically it was specified finally to the point that apart from images or anything and the sounds and everything, because I still have to analyze the language, in terms of language, all, all the documentaries that I've analyzed, they are very, they are heavily based on, what do you call it in English, antithesis? Antithesis. Yeah. Like almost every second sentence in a documentary has antithesis. Like mm. if uh, I don't know, like in the, in thousands of something, there's one tiny this, for example, or we would think like uh, like it's something cold and something hot. Like almost every second sentence in any documentary is always this kind of a position, and it is really catchy. It's relatable. It's understandable by mass audiences because people do feel antithesis in any language. So yeah, and and this is where I ended up because I wanted to analyze sound as well and and music and how you know reaching the climax of any documentary. But then uh, the old you know <laughs> glass linguists were like, no no no, this is too modern. You can't do that. Only language. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I had to yeah. So now it's boring. I don't. Oh dear. Yeah. I mean, I, of course, I've I've never done. Um any sort of study at such an advanced level. But I mean, I um, when, when I was doing my university uh, dissertation um, was, yeah, I started off in a, a very, very wide spectrum. So I, I wrote mine about um, Anglo-Spanish naval history. Um, mm. And then, you know, I, I, I started researching and researching and I, I spent some time in Spain where I was working in military archives and libraries and museums and stuff. And then I finally got down to a super, super narrow topic. 
um, about um, sort of, um, you know, textbooks and, and um, sort of naval culture and stuff in society. It was all very, very boring. Well, not for me, because I really love naval history, but um, yeah, for most people, very boring. <laughs> no, when you're doing it, you're really involved. So it's still interesting. It's exciting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So right. one thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, obviously, you, you seem like a person who um, has a lot of different interests and um, the sort of quite you know wide spectrum of uh, as I said of interest this Kurgazor uh, which um, which um, my, my sister mentioned, um, but given that, what in your opinion is the purpose of doing an exam? Because exams are very very um, narrow snippets of language, and frankly speaking, especially when we get to the sort of higher you know like CPE type of exams that you know they're frankly speaking not very natural sounding it's very artificially heightened language um so what what is the point of studying an exam why not simply open wikipedia and just have at it why why not simply just watch documentaries and speak about philosophy with your buddies and, and on, on all of that do you have enough of buddies to talk about with you know in, in the Russian-speaking environment, would you find enough of buddies to talk about like some random documentary in English? And even now when people have practicing Russian, you mean? Yeah, well, I mean, you say, what's, uh, if, I, I, I think it's, it's hard to measure the situation. The person who wants to, to boost their skills and language just watching documentaries and eager to discuss it with someone, so they definitely have to have a company, right? Uh, yeah. I'm very much afraid it's hard to find a, an eager company of like friends who would also like to watch something in English and then discuss it with you for no reason, but for just boosting if skills. There was some sort of conversation club where you could come twice a week and discuss all sorts yeah, of Yeah, they do. Topics. I mean, even my city, they do have this. They're really these enthusiasts, but uh, I think still at this point, uh, apart from all the other, I mean, uh, good things that exams bring you. I mean, they, they definitely have, at least, okay, I don't like IELTS, although I prepare for it. I mean, I don't like IELTS in terms of um, language progress. I don't think it gives you any. It's just very needed. And like, I believe it's very needed. It gives you the results and you can't see the progress. With Cambridge, I still believe it's more, uh, what to say, with this new Cambridge scale, where you can really like watch your progress, I, I tend to now look at these exams just uh, something you can kind of relate to and see where you are and, and, and the way you're going. And uh, I mean, if you're watching a documentary just for fun, you probably will, um, I mean, you're very likely to use something you like and it's only one topic. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't be that versatile. And then you can also, pro I mean, you will simplify it for yourself, mm -hmm. won't you? I mean, I, if you know what I mean. I mean, uh, it, it's hard to, I mean, if you are pressed for exam preparation, you will definitely kind of have to force yourself to do something you don't like, to read the articles you don't really want yeah. to read sometimes, yes. And if you're just doing it for fun to boost your skills, first of all, you can't basically measure them properly. Right, not not that the exam measures it. So you may say you're advanced. Once we start uh, kind of checking your advanced, it, you know, chances are it won't be. For example, by Cambridge scale, it yeah. won't be that advanced, right? It won't be that versatile in all skills, so to say. That's what I mean. But yeah, I'm not saying that everyone should take an exam. It's just <laughs> yeah, kind the, of um, the, th that's um, that's very up. true actually, and and that's um, that really reminds me of like people who who come to my classes and say, oh yeah, I was um, you know I was watching like uh, you know sometimes to practice listening, I'll just watch 
a um, you know like a Netflix show in English and I understand about 80% of it and I'm like well how do you know you understand it maybe you understand 10% of it no. um, right or especially if we're just watching friends and as much as I love them but you know um, the topics are what do you say every day and I mean I mean I mean it, well, it depends if a person just wants to feel you know easy and uh, you know yeah on a daily basis we don't need to talk about dire consequences and long-term disastrous effects of something uh mm. yeah but uh if we really master the language then probably we, we should we should do something about exams or at least the books you don't have to take an exam actually but just to train probably yeah yeah sure. But no, you're definitely right about IELTS as well, because don't forget what the I and IELTS means. It's it's international. So it's an international testing system. Um, yeah. You, as the candidate, you are not the client for IELTS. The client or the person who is best served by the language are the universities, are the migration offices, are, you know, employers, because it's, it's, a, it's a really quick and a really easy way of saying, this person's that level, this person's that, that level, and yes, you can give them a visa, or yes, you can... Um, you know, let them study at your university. Whereas if, if you're doing a Cambridge main suite exam, I think that you are the end user, the candidate's the most important person. And, and that's for me, the main difference between this, uh, you know, main suite and, uh, and uh, IELTS. Um, okay. Okay. So when we were um, sort of doing a bit of uh, preparation, preparation is a very, is a very generous description of that word. When we were vaguely texting about different... Uh, <laughs> topics to talk about um, during our podcast, you mentioned this um, thing known as parsnips. Um, oh yeah, lovely. So first of all, I now casting my memory back, I, I swear I've heard that term somewhere before and I've read it in a book, but honestly, I thought you were making a joke about Bristirnak. I'm like, okay, you want to discuss Dr. Zhivago? Yeah, okay, great epic Russian <laughs> well, novel. Like, this was my first, uh, my initial sense away. When I heard this term first time, I was like, what? We're talking herbs here? What's that? Mm. So yeah, I heard it. I think I heard it in Salta training actually, and uh, yeah, but right. I was surprised. For the um, for the uninitiated, parsnips is um, an acronym, a uh, pretty terrible acronym. But parsnip, by the way, in normal speech means this uh, type of root vegetable known as pastirnak uh, in, in Russian. Um, it stands for, uh, do you remember what it stands for? Because I, I looked it up just now, I wouldn't have remembered. Politics, politics, I think it's politics, something than race probably, or religion, no? Would you, yeah, remind me. It stands me. for politics, alcohol, religion, uh, sex, narcotics, and pork. And the last one is hilarious. Was it pork? Pork, yeah. Oh, jeez. This is, I mean, the very idea of introducing it is already kind of so prejudiced right oh yeah yeah and and basically it killed the whole content of my lessons i mean with my 18 year old students like they enter the classroom what's happened with billy while well, he's hangover oh billy had a nice you know night and it's like and i should be like hell stop here mm -hmm. let's mm -hmm. get back to my job commuting stuff it's just yeah yeah um so just to explain as well, so basically when, when we list this list of topics, this parsnips, politics, alcohol, religion, sex, narcotics, pork, what that means is in some schools of thought, an English teacher should always avoid those types of topics because it could be um, detrimental to the lesson or it could be, um, you know, emotionally traumatic to someone in the class. Um, yeah, offensive. 
you sound like you you don't have um, a very good opinion of this philosophy. Why yeah. are you against this kind of um, idea? Well, if we're talking about some safe, uh, ideal classroom environment, maybe it could work, but I just can't imagine if we're talking, I mean, first of all, we're teaching real people and a lot of this stuff is so relatable, you can't ignore it. And secondly, again, if we're aiming at some, at least some level of proficiency, I mean, not, not CV, but just in making someone advanced enough, how can you possibly get a well-rounded knowledge of, of a language without talking about these things? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is so limiting and um you know the, there's there's a there's a definite reason why people thought of introducing this there's a, there's a huge uh, and a very rich segment of the english language learning world um, which pumps a lot of money into the industry which finances a lot of schools a lot of teachers and who don't particularly like having their feelings hurt or having their beliefs questioned. Oh, right. I've never thought of that, actually, of that part of the world. Okay. Well, you know which part of the world I'm talking about. What's the last P? Pork. What, you think that was yeah, Israel? Exactly. You think that was exactly. the Jews that don't like talking about pork because it's not kosher? Come on. What are we? It's like the, my right to discuss something in the class is more important, frankly speaking, than the rights of Muslims not to have their feelings hurt. And I'm not, I'm not asking for the right to disrespect their religion. I'm not asking for the right to, um, you know, say something nasty or racist or bigoted, of course not. But I'm gonna talk about bacon if I wanna talk about bacon, sorry. Um, and if you don't like it, then go, go and study in, you know, some, <laughs> some school where, you know, they don't allow women to study or, you know, they, they don't allow, um, you know, gays or, or whatever and anything like that it's 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 such a silly silly idea that you can't and you know again religion um i wonder which religion we're talking about there sex narcotics i mean th this is the it's the mentality of someone who doesn't like talking about stuff that's important in life um i don't know what what, what do you think i mean it, am i being too open here do you think that sometimes you need to not say something that you want to say in order to not hurt people's feelings well, you as a teacher will definitely know the moment when you can't say something because you see a person might be offended, but this is not your intention in any way, right? Uh, to mm. offend anyone. But, but, it, but, it's, but it's so silly to, I mean, no, I, I'm on the same page with you here. I mean, you're not talking about, I mean, it's, it's not too often. Uh, I, I mean, always I, the language, basically, especially when talking about English language, which is, in my experience, but I'm, I'm extremely tolerant and polite when I speak English because the language makes me uh, be so. And uh, uh, since we take this one as, you know, most common, universal, whatever means of interaction, how can we possibly limit it to some topics and just uh, forget about all the others? I, I can't imagine. And yeah and it is possible to speak freely with all this you know thoughts in mind like okay i should never say this and this and this and this just because maybe someone would be uh language don't live like that i mean they yeah. are you know they are creative and i mean i i as a linguist and a passionate one i i regard the language as a living system as, a, as an organism a body which kind of you know evolves in itself um so. I think um, it's, it's very appropriate, um, all, you know, almost um, almost serendipitous that that it's named Parsnips in honour of the great uh, uh, Boris himself, 
because yeah. like I mean, as, as you know, of course, he, he had a lot of trouble in his career with, with uh, the powers that be, with, you know, with, with the KGB, with uh, Glavlit, with, you know, whoever it was. I studied Pasternak at university when, when I studied a course on um, censorship in, in, in Soviet Union. And, you know, he, the poor guy won a Nobel Prize and his book was banned. That, that's how that's how stupid this kind of thinking is there, there and, and he he wrote um, about this in his diaries about like what do you want me to do I have these thoughts what do you want me to not think them do you want me to not vocalize these I can't not think a thought you thought yeah, you, exactly. you're not the thinker of your thoughts you're not the author of your thoughts thoughts arise spontaneously in consciousness and if they do there's a reason and you've got to talk about it and discuss it and and you know is i mean is there any thought that you think that people shouldn't be allowed to have no i'm very i'm extremely tall i mean i i have i normally uh, must say in my you know, at university in my university classes i tend to have a poor discipline because the guys I teach they're all uh, young uh, guys like 19 20 years old they're all like full of energy they're full of ideas of all sorts so but they also you know good at language and they're keen uh, to study it uh, so I can't possibly stop them so the discipline is crazy the topics they sometimes discuss uh, but as long as they're using English I'm happy yeah, yeah. If, any, if anyone entered uh, they would probably look down and ask like oh my god what's happening here but yeah, that's so true and and um, that that goes to um, you know the idea that if if you have um, a particularly controversial topic or a topic that people have strong opinions about, strong feelings about, sometimes you feel very um, confrontational about that kind of thing. But it really makes you want to use your English, and you you need exactly. to, you need to let the the rational part of your brain overcome your monkey brain you need to let the you need to let the apollonian side of your brain overcome the dionysian side you know you when when i start speaking with someone and and like i have a lot of people in, in my speaking club and in people i've met in real life who you know have opinions very very different to my own opinions who think that you know um, there's no one else but Putin who can rule Russia, that Stalin wasn't such a bad guy, that the Americans knocked down the Twin Towers, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that democracy is evil, um, things which I very, very strongly disagree with. But, and, and when, when you start a dialogue with someone who you disagree with strongly, first of all, don't forget that they might know something you don't and probably do. So you've got to listen to them very carefully. But you, you can't stop yourself. You can't stop the adrenaline rushing, your heart beating faster, you get a bit sweaty. It's, it is a physiological reaction. You can't stop it. But you can say to yourself, look, this is just my monkey brain getting ready for conflict. Listen, have a dialogue, speak with people you disagree with. Um, I, I can speak to people I disagree with all day long. Um, as long as they don't use the argument from authority. I don't know if you watched my podcast with Mike Walker, but we were talking about this um, you yeah, know, yeah, Russian mentality, which drives me crazy, um, which is just like saying, uh, when all of my arguments fail, well, you know, mentality, so I win. So as long as people don't do that, and as long as you're willing to have a productive conversation and respect each other and and and, and speak, because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. It doesn't matter if you're a Nazi, 
you're a Nazi because you believe that Nazism is um, the best way for, for you to have a good future for your country, for your people, for your race, for your family. Okay, I think you're wrong, but at least we have that in common. At least we have the idea that what we want is a better future for us and our family, and we want security and we want prosperity. Yeah. At least we can start with that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, they say humans have the same, no matter what position, uh, country, the people have the same basic needs and, and fears. Like, mm -hmm. no matter if you're rich or poor, you're afraid for your children's health, right? If, some, if your kid is sick, that would be a nightmare, no matter, no matter your, yeah, what your status is and, and stuff like that. So we have very common, you know, basic needs and, and thoughts and fears. And uh, you were saying something. Yeah, I got... I had some thought down. Yeah, I lost it. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. What I'm saying is, uh, very often, I like the, the idea you said that very often you just, yeah, people are doing this or saying this because they have some certain background or experience you don't know. And very often we tend to forget it, especially it's on the internet. Sometimes people question your actions or your thoughts or don't even question, but you know, these arguments start and start yeah. and you're like, yeah, but you don't know something that I do right and and basically and this is one point and now uh, uh very often now i look at from the other perspective now when people like comment negatively uh even in my community i'm just like yeah it's it, it will take me long to explain but i did it because i know something that probably you don't so don't be that angry at this very moment yeah i had my intentions they explained yeah 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 um Speaking about, you know, censorship and about, um, you know, thought crime. Thought, thought crime is, is, you know, is the, is the definition of a totalitarian state. Um, saying that there are not only things that you can't say, which is fair enough. Sometimes, you, you know, you, you're not allowed to distribute national secrets. You're not allowed to call for violence against another person. Okay, we all agree about that. Everything else is on the table as far as I'm concerned. And when you start saying there are things you can't think, that's when you know you're in dangerous waters. Um, for example, I mean, I, I'm not going to talk about Russia. I'll talk about some European countries. In some European countries that have a legacy with um, fascism, it is illegal to deny the Holocaust. Now, I understand oh, why yeah. they have that law. I understand why they came up with that law. But it's a stupid, stupid law. You should not... Certainly the government should not tell people what they can say and what they can think. It's not going to work because if you deny the Holocaust existed, if you're one of these crazy people who can't accept the evidence, who can't admit that the Holocaust was real, you should be free to say that to whoever you want. You should be free to go on TV and say that. And in the process, completely and utterly destroy your reputation and to become a public joke. That's why you need a free press. That's why you need freedom of speech and to let, because I don't want, if you repress that speech, if the government says, no, you're not allowed to say that, all you do is you push that speech underground where it's gonna bubble away. That's how terrorism happens. That's how you start extremist cells. I want my crazy people in the open. I want my crazy people on a rooftop shouting their crazy thoughts to everyone so that you you can see look look at this person look at what this person's saying and here's my argument and here's why he's wrong or why she's wrong that's why it's so stupid to tear down these statues like there, there's a very good argument that you should tear down statues of slave owners i get it but i don't think it's a good idea 
I don't think it's a good idea to erase history and to say in a very kind of Orwellian 1984 style way, this slave owner statue, he's now an unperson. I'm taking him away, I'm throwing him down the memory hole so that the whole process can start again. No, we should, we should have statues of terrible people. I'm not for destroying statues of Stalin or, or, or even of Hitler. I think they should be there and we should say, look, look at this horrible person, look at what he did or look at what she did. Probably he, most of them are men. Yeah. <laughs> look at what this person did. Look how terrible it was. This is why we shouldn't do it again. Leave the statues there. I, I don't know, do, do, do you agree? Absolutely. And I think that's why your country is full of these sit-ins and strikes everywhere. Well, at least in London. <laughs> One of the first times I brought my students, I normally bring students to language school, like, well, used to mm. before coronavirus. Mm. Yeah, once in a while. And uh, so it, obviously it's, uh, for most of them, it's the first time even abroad, let alone London. And uh, uh, we were there and as usual, some, I think somewhere around Trafalgar, people sitting and, you know, uh, expressing their ideas about something something and, so, and the thing is that the, those were people uh sitting uh obviously not not english uh they were protesting i guess something happening in egypt and and my students were like what are they doing and there was a guy a friend of mine who actually like has lived in london all his life and he was like well they're protesting against something happened in egypt because they probably have some roots there but they're here and 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 my students were like why don't they go to their country and protest there? And, and he was like, well, this is their country now. And I was like, yeah, this is a whole different perspective you have there. I mean, my students were like shocked that you can express your thoughts about something they thought was pretty random. And, and it's like, why would they do that? Why would I go to another country, sit there and protest against something happening at all around another country? Like on the other, you know, side of the world and you had this freedom yes because and i think you should definitely have the freedom to do that but i think sometimes when you first started talking about that i i didn't realize they were actually egyptian people i thought that yeah, they, they were, were. But, well they were of course supported by english guys as well but at least the, the ones who started it were egyptians and then there was of course some natives and you know as usual and police very friendly yeah, yeah. like and i was like yeah this is a whole different level so, I mean, here's the thing with a lot of people who go to protests like that, who are, you know, sort of middle class white people who've never been oppressed in their lives. Um, not, not to say that white people are never oppressed or never, um, you know, trodden down upon. Of course, everyone has their own story. But a lot of the time, people who go to those protests, so where, for example, in um, 2000 and, well, this has been 2010, 2009. Um, there was the uh, David Cameron was had recently been elected as prime minister um, as um, a, a conservative um, government and um, because the the credit crunch had just happened and the the um, financial crisis there was a whole wave of spending cuts that the government made including to education and this meant that basically the, the amount of money you need to pay to go to university essentially increased by 300 percent overnight um, oh, wow. crazy so people are now you know i paid three thousand pounds a year give or take to go to university my brother paid nine thousand oh my god did you have to take out a loan or what because i can't imagine oh, how yeah, you no, everyone does you um the the student loans are quite um there's quite a good system we have in england anyone can go to university here everyone can afford to do it because anyone gets a loan then when you repay the loan you um you only have to pay the loan if you earn a certain salary and then oh, once you get to 45 years old, the loan's cancelled. 
So it's a pretty good system. Most people pay their loans back. Um, I didn't have to pay it for a number of years because I was in Russia. So, nice. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't cancelled. I still have to pay that debt. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it just, just, comes, it just automatically comes out of my paycheck every month. It's like it's like my pension. I don't notice it. It just comes out of my paycheck. Right. Oh, it's a good system indeed. But yeah. anyway, nine thousand is definitely worse than three. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But the and the point is that um, a lot of so there was huge protests about this. Huge protests, um, including people who were in my class in my year who were not paying nine thousand pounds who went mm -hmm. to these protests and. When, when I sort of started speaking to these people, I said, so why are you going to the protests? And I said, because of the student fee hikes. Okay, but it doesn't concern you. Yeah, but it concerns my, my brothers, my sisters. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, what do you think the government should do? They shouldn't cut fees. Where's the money gonna come from? I don't know. So why are you going to the protests? And honestly, one guy said to me, I said, why are you protesting? And he said, civil disobedience, isn't it? That's all he had to say. He just wanted to go so he could like be cool and and you know be and be amongst like the policemen on horses and stuff like that. Exactly. Stupid stuff. Well, I mean, it's fun, right? Yeah, I've, I've never been to a protest. It's not. It's not how I choose to, to um, express myself politically. It's true. Um, I, I would rather um, have have a debate with someone. I'd rather uh, make a video about it, write a post about it. I don't like protest as, as, a, as a political, as a socio-political phenomenon, um, because the protest is always larger than the issue. You, you can never be guaranteed that your individual voice and your individual concerns will be associated dot for dot with the protesters. Um, I don't like group mentality. I don't like groupthink. I don't like large groups of people. Um, especially not protesters. And a lot of the time, this crazy woke nonsense that people like honestly uh, i heard about a protest once which was um gays for palestine so it was like you know against the you know what are you talking about gays for palestine if you were on palestine you would need to run to israel because yeah. palestine they would kill you absolutely it just don't don't you know go in for this crazy woke nonsense and not from the left and not from the right it's it's all groupthink and it needs to stop yeah Thinking of this thought control, by the way, you know, I live in this city, which is a small one, and scientific, so I've got this nuclear research, and it's like basically a big organization, a lot of countries take part, and one of them is North Korea. Hmm. So the thing is, these guys, you know, you know how they live, I don't know whether you know how, but they still have kind of Soviet style, and uh, they have their KGB here, based here. So basically, they are sent here to for about one year or so, or two years. Uh, they learn, they do experiments, and then and then just they carry out something, and then they go back and and once they get back to North Korea, they will have all the they are given from the government like the car and the flats, like and they kind of brainwash. You know, they all like love their chairman. Oh no, it's not the chairman. Always oh, it the chairman. Their language. Dear leader. Yeah, but not the one who is now the young one, but the ones who's passed away years ago. He's still like the one and only. Like if you ask yeah. them who created this poem or who made Kino this poem, yeah, yeah exactly. they will say it's the only him. state on the planet which is uh, technically the head of state is um, is a dead man. Exactly, and and I mean when they're here, uh, so they work and they're very nice people. So they come to work, and then in the evening when you have like parties or evenings, so you just invite they invite them. They cannot. They cannot go because they are watched by KGB. Uh, they have to wear this kind of, what do we call it, pins? 
Yeah, the uh, workers' party pin. Yeah, I've got one. Uh, I've got so one. if by accident they lose it, it's a nightmare. They just uh, they get crazy because they they may be arrested. And TGB watched their every step. And like imagine they live here. We are 100 uh, kilometers from Moscow. They've never been to Moscow. They can't just go for the weekend, for example. Mm-hmm. or they are not allowed to use the internet but for work purposes and and the thing is they have the opportunity because you know now they're in russia like we have VK, we can download anything illegally you have the internet they don't do it themselves because they're so kind of i think brainwashed but or, or maybe so i don't know what to call it but uh yeah they're just uh like why why should i do it it's like come on nobody will know and there's no no i, I will never do that I, that's just betrayal you know of, of my um whatever leader or something and it's just and it's amazing you just look at this people but they look all very happy yeah yeah i think satisfied so. and you know they 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 know they will go home and uh, they will have all the you know nice things uh, for them and the family and then they will probably have to do some nuclear research i don't know maybe bombs even so that because the, the, the all the other countries now heavily insist on them leaving this organization because they say you're basically teaching them how to make nuclear bombs or anything but uh, our mm-hmm. our government is of course mm-hmm. no of course not research scientists for everyone so mm-hmm. yeah what city are you in uh, dubna d-u-b-n-a uh-huh. okay so, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere there in the rural backwater now it's moscow region mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so we've got What's here this joint into... yeah is it, is it secret stuff no not anymore <laughs> do you think kgb will knock your door um not what probably a guru in uh, in the uk <laughs> not kgb <laughs> they won't knock on the door they'll just rub it yeah um, yeah um so what's the, is it is it like nuclear stuff that you're working on or uh there is an institute for nuclear research like they have this Boston collider people work in CERN in Switzerland here mm-hmm. and back the city was built around this thing yeah we do have another like a normal university like university for students where I teach but I also happen to teach some courses in this joint distance for nuclear research this is like the major organization of, of the city like most of the people work there. Yeah, so these are nuclear scientists, uh, but they all do all sorts of investigation. That's why I'm also keen on space. For example, a friend of mine works in the laboratory which uh, analyzes probes from, yeah, that's an old one. <laughs> by the way, which is a picture of an oak tree um, with uh, a hydrogen atom at the top. Well, yeah. no, helium, helium atom, right? Because it's got two. Uh, everyone says it's, it's strange and random actually. And they decided to make like rebrand it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because it didn't mean much. Um, well, like helium, so I'm guessing it's like that's a. You might know, be, I'm not that good at chemistry, but. Well, no, because it's got two electrons, then element number two is helium. It has to be two, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So it's it's a um, metaphor for fission. Are you working on fission? <laughs> so, so I'm saying my friend, for example, he works in a laboratory, a laboratory which analyzes probes from Mars, which is mm-hmm. exciting and uh, yeah because they're kind of trying to figure out um, how to prepare people for for the mass flight so they study all this radio biology and these are the students which I also teach at university like the radio biology students so it's really exciting because they're kind of doing something that's why I'm like thinking every time I'm thinking about my PhD I was like who it will help on earth and these guys they're really doing some stuff you know like they're analyzing the radiation the you know the the effects of radiation on the human body how to make better suits, maybe space suits to send people 
to mm. Mars. Mm. Yeah, that's that's super awesome. That that um, what you're describing there in the scientific community, I've heard, is described as physics envy. That at the end yeah. of the day, no matter what you're studying, it's never going to be as fundamental as physics because yeah. you can possibly study. Yeah. So who's flying to Mars and when? From like Las Cosmos or? Well, no one yet anywhere, but they're just uh, studying and preparing. Um, I don't know. There, there was a plan. I think there was this plan in, I don't know, was it NASA who were the first to, to send? Uh, like a group. I've heard there was some project where they kind of uh, basically uh, we're looking for volunteers for a couple of years and then uh, they were supposed to be trained because it's more about you know psychological training ah, yeah yeah I heard about that um, I can't remember where that was but yeah it was um yeah they, they locked them in like an isolation tank didn't they to see what would happen yeah yeah exactly I don't know what it ended up with because there was a lot of you know media friends around it and then it just stopped so I have no idea what's happening so my guys they're doing this all just for the sake of future research and flights wherever those might be mm. some of the friends also study like probes from asteroids to find life on asteroids but it is really hard because they need to make sure because the asteroids fall falls on earth and and they take it then and, and start analyzing it, it's really hard to identify whether the pieces of life on asteroids are already from earth or still from space so they mm. use this nuclear technology for that this uh, uh, yeah reactors nuclear reactors to Kind of exciting stuff. It's it's such a shame I am not good at physics. <laughs> I would love to be able <laughs> to work in this field, but it's good. at least I can teach them English. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the I think the most the most famous thing about Chelyabinsk for, in the rest of the world is that a meteorite landed. Oh yeah. Um, like that. That's when you know that. No, no offense to Chelyabinsk, but you know, is that really a claim to fame that something fell on your town? <laughs> We're famous because <laughs> something fell on our town. Really. But they have become famous. Yeah, big yeah. time, big time. All right, um, Susan, we've been going for about an hour, so uh, time flies. Yeah, speaking about physics, this has been a temporal wormhole, and uh, it seems like no time at all. But there we go. Time flies when you're having fun, as they say. Oh, I, I did have a lot of fun, really. Super. All right then. Well, um, I will see you um, when I see you, and uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you.